Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Good to go, we're rolling, good. <laughs> Very professional here. To the sweet sounds of Kevin Bloody Wilson, <laughs> it's hump day with Swanny and friends, Dane Swan, Samantha Richards. We're back in the studio Hello. guest friend, Eddie Maguire. Hello, guys. Great Hi. to be with you. I had Kevin on uh, Triple M's Hot Breakfast one time yeah. and we got him to play a few songs uh, to the sales staff and uh, associated <laughs> people who had never heard of him before. And you should have seen the looks. It was unbelievable. Um, you know, I might need to get him back in. Well, <laughs> mate, he got on the radio and we bipped uh, appropriately <laughs> about Santa Claus and his bike. Yeah. But... Um, <laughs> But I tell you what, it was magnificent, and people went nuts. And you go, yeah, okay, we, you know, we can have a laugh every now and again. But then when he played, he, as I said, he played a few uh, just for the crew there. They, they thought it was had never heard anything like it. It's unbelievable. Uh, not many have. Well, we've, we've kept that theme since dated uh, our first season with Scotty Cummings. That uh, we, it was like COVID did. We, we figured you can't get cancelled twice, can you? Exactly. Sweetie? You can't. You can't. They've tried. They've tried. How are you, Swanny? I'm good, mate. Mate, you're looking fit. You're looking fitter than when you played. No, uh, <laughs> oh, no. Well, um, I wouldn't get fat shamed now anyway by um, yes. what's going on in the papers the last exactly. couple of days. Yeah. But yeah. I'm going all right, mate. Um, just doing what I can. Uh, family life, that's about it. But yeah. You're looking sharp, mate. No, thanks. Well, I'll do what I can. I've got nothing else to do. Yeah, I've got nervous. a baby at home now, mate, so I've got to get out of the house and do something. <laughs> Wendy's not at no, home at the moment. You're a bit nervous. What can I say? Why that? Where, where are we taping this? At Ed's office, I'm not sure yeah. I've ever been hauled in here to be yelled at. Um, it was, it was, it was mostly you have memories in here. It was Dave? mostly at Collingwood. Strong, I, was, I didn't ever yell at you. I just gave you emphatic advice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I'm very, it was very voice. emphatic. Let me tell you. <laughs> no, but you know, Sam, this is the thing people don't get. See, Swanee and I have got a, a great affinity with each other, going back two generations in Swanee's case and one in mine, and that is Swanee's grandparents came out in the boat with my parents. And lived in Broadmeadows. And uh, Swanee's dad and his uncle Roy Ramsey were heroes in the Broadmeadows area. So there's a certain way in uh, that people speak to each other in <laughs> Glasgow and in Broadmeadows. <laughs> and if you've ever seen Alex Ferguson in action, you'll understand mm. what the hairdryer is. <laughs> and in fact, when Scott's 
they're yelling at each other. That's a sign of affection. Right. The and people girl. think they're going off the head. That's at their calmest. <laughs> it's, it's when you, as my wife says, it's when I'm quiet that I'm dangerous. Right. So Swanee and I always, you know, I always had an eye out for Swanee for all those reasons. Mm. And uh, so we always got each other. And I think Swanee's actually written in his book, which I think, which I was actually gratified that he, he got it, was that, it, it, you're better to get the cuts than get the tension, I reckon, and that is get it over with, get the message across and get on with it and, you know, don't drag things through. A lot of people hold grudges and, and you know, all that sort of stuff. I'm not into that caper. You just do it. And, and have a look what happened with Swanee. He was fantastic. He pulled himself his life together at that stage, which all young people need to do. Mm. Nothing. He wasn't doing anything that no one else was doing. Mm. Well, at least that I know of. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, And then turn himself into one of the most brilliant footballers ever to pull on the black and white stripes and become one of the most popular figures in the AFL. I mean, when you have a look at it, you know, when you cut it out and you, you get past the caricature, what he was able to do and what he was able to achieve for his club and the sense of a team man that he was, was absolutely phenomenal. And I take <coughs> Swanee away as one of my greatest ever Collingwood people and one of the best people I've ever met in footy. Well, we need Ed on more often. Yeah, um, I was going to say, what are you paying him for? Yeah, people, absolutely. people don't see past the cliche. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they see all these things. What they don't understand is the genuine love and affection that people have when we're all trying to do things for each other. I knew, you know, you never, Swanee will say, you never heard me go after players because I'd come into the rooms after the game and you see them there with bags of ice on broken hands and, and exhausted and playing, going into a game with injections and going hard and doing everything. And, you know, I'd come down sometimes and the supporters, get into them, Ed, and all that sort of stuff, and you'd all go down. And you go into the rooms and you look around and your heart would break. Mm-hmm. You know, my heart would break for the players, knowing what they'd done for each other and were doing for the for the club and the and the jumper, you couldn't ask for any more. And some of those days where you really felt for people, days we got flogged, yeah. because sometimes the ball doesn't bounce your way. Sometimes you play against superior opponents, but to know that these guys were really hurting and aching and trying to do it, and no one more than this bloke, no one's pride in his performance was more than Dane Swan, and most importantly, the thing that I always gravitated to and why I'd like to think that I'm still a close friend, is his sense of friendship. Um, that what it means to be a friend of Dane Swan's. Uh, that's a club you want to be in. It's a tightly held one, but if yeah. you're in it, geez, you're in it for life until you do something really bad. But yeah, uh, absolutely. he's a beauty. Yeah, thank you. Thank what's you your, so what's your, mem- what's your first memory of Ed? First memory of Ed? Um, oh, man, one of first... The first big memory was when... Um, <laughs> was after I got arrested. That was the first big <laughs> one. And, and now everyone was sitting around. Proud. Everyone was sitting... All the heavy hitters are sitting around the footy club and... That's when I thought I was going to be sacked and obviously the story is well known and, and they say they kept me on and um, obviously, like I say, I wasn't put on the right path. I was put on a righter path than what I was on and, yeah. and obviously it took a while. It was a slow burn um, but I finally I finally got there. But obviously, you know, and Ed's probably one out of the box because, you know, you don't go when you first get drafted, you don't go to a footy club expecting the biggest name or the, the biggest presence at that football club to be the president where mm-hmm. at Collingwood for... You know, you could argue Mick B had like Nathan Buckley's, you know, Chris Tones, all these sort of superstars, if you will. But when the one one person who went and walked into a room, everyone knew who where he was, was Ed. So that was the, um, which was weird because going, in, like I said, going in a football club where you expect to be in awe of the footballers or, you know, this humble, you know, Mick, Mick this uh, Hall of Fame coach or whatever it is, It's it was Ed that was the one who... Oh shit! There is. Let me fucking pick up a weight or something. Do something. <laughs> um, I've got to be. I've got to look like I'm doing something when Ed walks in the room. So you pick up a dumbbell or you 
you know, put that extra little bit of food away or things like that. So that was my first uh, meeting of Ed and um, I'm sure he did this to everyone, but, you know, and it, it doesn't take much as I knew um, as you become a, a longer player, but as soon as you get drafted, calls you, you know, welcome to Collingwood. Uh, and Major made me, and who was, I was up on schoolies, but um, didn't want to come home, but was, uh, you know, made you feel super inclusive and it made you feel part of the Collingwood family, which is why I think, and we all know that it was on its knees when Ed took over and now it's the, the best and biggest sporting club in Australia. And, um, that was just one of the many reasons he made everyone feel so at home. Um, nearly kicked me out of that home a couple of times, but that's what <laughs> all parents do, you know. Um, tough love and, and like I have said many times, I he never went off his head at me for, for nothing, for just for making it up. I deserved the shit that I got when I got it. And then um, the best thing about him was when, like he said before, once he got it out of his system and told us what we needed to hear, then I was like, right, you fucked up that now, what can we do to move forward and how do we get the situation behind us and how do we move on? So you'd go in there and you'd start up and then you'd just slink all the way down. And once that was over, right, um, and then would be the most supportive person at the footy club to help you. So... Um, yeah, that was mine. So I'll, I'll give up a, a, a few of the tactics now for the first time because uh, when Swanee came in after that altercation, he's a young guy, and uh, I knew exactly how it happened. I knew what had happened, uh, but I also had been sort of – I had friends who'd been in those situations and I'd seen them over the years. And it's quite funny for me listening to that because I always saw myself as a, as a supporter, first of all. Yes, I took over. But I took over when I was 33 – on my 34th birthday – so for me, I was always sort of the young guy in there. So I, I didn't I, – in, in fact, it was funny later on in life, people like um, Jeff Walsh would say, you know, you cast – when you walk into the room, they all sort of, you know mm. – whereas I thought I was just walking in as one of the boys. So it's funny for me to hear that. But going back to that situation, we knew – I knew we had one go with Swanee um, that he would see that it was a fraud because he was a street-smart kid. And we had a meeting beforehand and we said, okay, well, what's, what's the go here? So I, I actually went a bit harder even on the people in the room. Greg Swan was there as the CEO, had played with uh, Billy Swan. Mick saw something in, in a player and what I didn't want to get was the usual sort of, a, look, we'll, we'll stick with him because he's a player and we'll put up with everything. So I wanted to know more about what was going on in there. And, and for me, I'd also seen a lot of great players out in Broadmeadows end up standing at the end of the bar talking about the, how they nearly made it. Mm. And that was my biggest fear at that stage, that Swanee's absolute loyalty to people, because there comes a time in life sometimes where you don't leave people behind, but you, you move to a different part of life. You still look after them, but they're maybe not as part of your life as they might have wanted, or, or parts of their life you have to stay away from. Mm. So a player that should be doing that now at Collingwood? Yeah, 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 and that conversation's been had over the journey, mm. and it, it is a, a case of really trying to put a, an older head on younger shoulders. Mm. And I went through it myself. Mm. I went through it myself uh, coming out of Brody and mates who were getting into trouble and things like that. And not that you left them behind, because the, a lot of them are still no, my absolutely. mates today, as yeah. you, you well know, Swanee. You know, we catch up, and, and and I've got you know my mates from school, all those different pl- people. But you've got to find your spot. So in that situation. Um, I deliberately and didn't say anything to the others. And I went hard, knowing that I wasn't going to kick him out of the club, but I went hard to make everyone think, jeez, if he's turned... I want to say hard. I, I 
hard's an under exact <laughs> hard is an understatement. <laughs> Let me tell you. But if oh, um, maybe 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 I went too hard, you know. And I and no, I, I, I look, I know. I, I deserved this. No, no. But, but 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 you know, I don't didn't want to you know I don't want to be seen as if you're coming in that situation. I probably did get too hard at times, but. What I wanted to do, though, in that situation was put everyone else on notice as well mm. that, yes, I knew Billy Swan, yes, I knew the Ramses, yes, I knew his grandfather, yeah, he was one of my favourite players, yes, he was from Broadmeadows, he was, he was a Collingwood man, he had everything, it was my DNA. I mean, if ever there was a, an adopted son, it was going to be him. Um, but I wanted to make sure that everybody knew that we weren't going to cop any of this mm. stuff. He was never going, but no one in the room knew that. And, and then what was even better was that people like Mick Malthouse then put the fight up and, and Greg Swan. So I knew then that they were invested in him. So then it wasn't just, all right, we've got through that road hump. And when they got up before Swanee came in and said, no, no, this kid is a ripper. He's a beauty. He's a bit of a rough diamond. And I'm sort of chuckling to myself because I, I knew exactly what he was in my mind. But then they committed. And then once they were in... And once they sort of had to fight me for that position, then they were invested in Swanee as well. And then ultimately the, the rest is history. Just so, uh, great people. But, and what you're actually saying there in business speak would be you challenge the process, not the person, which is what the buzzword would be now, but you did it in, a, in, in your way. Look, the, the thing was Swanee's attributes were, were always there to be yeah. seen. Um, you know, I remember t- speaking to Noel Judkins about recruiting it and he told me there's a kid down the, the order that we might get to it's uh, Billy Swan's boy. And I said, oh, beauty. Yeah, fantastic. Then he showed me the tape of this duck waddling up and down. I said, this is what's going on here. <laughs> but Quack, no, but you know what it was? But he, he killed him in the finals. Yep. And uh, I said, beauty. And, and again, I sort of went back into my own experience out in Broadie where so many kids from Broadie got invited to North Melbourne or Carlton and also and they go down there. And there were, most of these kids were working at 15 yep. from tough backgrounds. And you get some under-19s coach yelling at them or playing the guys from the country and interstate because they put money into them and tell everyone to go back and play for West Meadows or Oak Park or Broadie and all that sort of stuff. And the blokes arced up and they weren't going to cop that because they're actually men by that stage. So Swanee, as much as his young bloke, he was, he was a grown man. He, he knew the rough and tumble of life. He'd, he'd seen a lot more than a lot of kids coming out of the private schools, even though he's a good St Bernard's mm. boy. Um, he, he'd seen a bit and he knew his way around town. And, and that's where we wanted him. I didn't want him to, to fall one way or the other. Um, and as I said, look, uh, he worked it out himself. I mean, it didn't matter if I yelled all day unless he was prepared to listen. But he also picked up on the vibe very quickly that he had Mick Malthouse in his corner and the others. And he, you know, as I said, turned it around, set himself up, didn't burn his mates, but just worked it through and got the perfect result. How hard was that for you not to burn your mates at the same time um, as you're saying? <coughs> Yeah, it's hard because they're, they're your best mates and they've and I wanted them to share. And I, wasn't, I wouldn't say I was having success at that stage, but I was on an AFL list and yeah. I thought the best thing about playing AFL was getting drink cards in nightclubs and that's all my mates were doing, <laughs> you know. So that's that's yeah. what I thought. And and if, you know, I was going to give advice to someone who was playing at Collingwood now, it's, you don't have to burn your mates, but <coughs> he's kind of had to... You've got to bring them with you, don't yeah, you? Yeah, you've got to sit him down and go, look, we can all share in, in my success if we go the right way about it and and eventually you, you do find out the people who are just disco mates only want to be with you because they can get you in you can get them into a bar or you can get them the footy now and then mm. it's the ones that um actually say and half the time i'd be like man i can take work off tomorrow i'm training now we can go out here and it's the ones that mate 
Swanee, you're, you're training, you're playing Saturday. How's about we don't go out on a Wednesday night? And then, you know, you realise, well, actually, they have your best interests at heart. It's not the ones who, and obviously Instagram, that wasn't, went around back then. It's probably, yeah, probably well. very <laughs> thankful, yes. But, um, Camera you phones. know, you can tell yeah. who, you, you know, you, you just, it's easy to tell when all your mates or you think that your mates have got you on their Insta stories and just filming you sort of looking like a goose or just in the wrong areas and they're only doing it for clout or to know that they're with you. They're, they're the ones where you go, well, yeah. mate, no one else is doing it. Everyone else is like, no phones or just relax. Or, mate, someone else about you don't go out today. So you start to learn and, and then you realise who actually has your best interest at heart because if they want to see you actually succeed, well, the mate, how about we just go out for dinner or we don't go out or let's go let's go to the gym and try this. So it takes a lot. It didn't take much and we still clearly enjoyed ourselves but um i figured out pretty quickly who my mates were actually yeah. Ken they're still my best mates today and and, 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 drop and off. you know the thing for me was i, I started uh, at channel 10 when i was 17 and and writing for the papers when i was 13 so i had a fast track approach to it and i i could see everything that was going so i was lucky enough in that i sort of had a little bit of fame as i was still a junior burger in the industry and then so i'd been around a while before i became an overnight sensation on the footy show if you like so i'd already been working in television for the best part of 12 years when the footy show kicked so by that stage i'd sort of seen people come and go uh seen it on the radio i'd covered every footballer uh, you know i lived dermot brereton's life <laughs> firsthand you know i was i was carrying his bag you know into the the nightclubs and things and but you saw everyone and and all those instances and of course you know, being the host of the footy show, you, you saw it writ large. And so I think I was tried to have an understanding and an understanding that parents don't even have. Mm. You know, so parents don't uh, – it's one his case he did because Bill knew, knew his way around a bit as well, but, but not in the big league. And it's a different situation. When your name is on the marquee, as they say in show business, when your name is above the line in the movie, you're the star, you're dragging them in, you either make the big money and you're a success or it's your fault. And that brings enormous pressure. And uh, Bert Newton is a, a classic example of that, of somebody who, who stepped up every single time in show business and put the performance on. And that was where, where I, my mind was, was that there is, to bring everybody with you, you've still got to, you're the one who's got to get up. You're the factory. And I saw that in this bloke, that he was going to be the factory, not just for his mates, but for the rest of his life. And, you know, hopefully this is what he is. He's, you know, I, I've never seen a bloke who would make a living out of being himself more than Dane Swan. Mm. And, uh, and thankfully that's, that's the situation that's going and people have got in on the gag. But I also knew that because it was Collingwood for, for partly, but also out of Broadie, there's always a, a knock. And I saw it with Doug Hawkins. When I yep. pitched for Doug Hawkins to come on the footy show, they said, what? He's been arrested. He, he's that knucklehead from the West. Doug came on as a superstar. It was a revelation to people yeah. who suddenly, you know, Sam, you know, with his mangling of the language, but also knew he was smart <laughs> and a sense of humour and a working class sense of humour that hadn't got onto television much before. So that's where all that was. I mean, that's a, there's a bit of a psychoanalysis of my head, I suppose, as much as anything else. But that was really where I was. In, in, in I was living the same thing that Swanee and the guys were doing. My existence was based on performance. You get a contract if you're rating. Yep. 
Yep. Um, you are in the public eye. They want to know everything you're doing, good, bad, or indifferent. If it's and if it's not there, it'll either be made up or <laughs> exacerbated, or others around you who will you know put you in and ring rumor files and do all that sort of stuff. So I'd already lived it in a lot of ways, and so yeah, maybe I might have been a bit more subtle to sit down with you twenty at times <laughs> and, and go through it. But time is time is of the essence. And absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And, so, and, Samantha, and that was where it was. Sorry, Samantha's got some questions. Yes, the Sam. outsider of the three sure. of us here. But so Swanee just brought up something that gave me a flashback to when I started with you, Triple M early days, the early nineties, and uh, and Trev Marmalade said, "You the DNA of the grill team was it." Then was um, if you want to come here and join us to be famous, you can fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> but if you want to come here, work hard, and then become famous, fantastic because yeah. we're all benefit. That was the DNA. Well, that, of you that's guys the big. Like. I think the big issue now with some of the footballers, and you, you know, you mentioned uh, you know some of the young guys who are getting a bit of trouble at the moment and things like that. And and it's changed again. So it was changed up from when I was sort of running around to when Swanee was coming around to now, where you know you flick on the TV. I remember this was a, a you know an interesting moment for me. I gave a speech at a school one day, and a young girl, so she would have been I don't know, I'll say year eleven, she said to me, "How do you become famous?" And I said, "Well, <laughs> the traditional way is be good at something." Yeah. And yeah. she looked at me. I said, "Well, you know, you can become famous by you know." being a knucklehead on a reality show mm. or you know, running across the MCG naked or doing something. And her eyes lit up on, on that side of things. <laughs> yes. Oh, what, you can actually become famous without actually having to work hard. Yeah. And, and, and I went, oh, hello. This is new. <laughs> and then uh, that was just at the start of the reality stage. Now, you know, uh, I remember um, talking about Barack Obama once. The people forget that he was a junior senator from Chicago whose name was Barack Hussein Obama – and he became the president of the USA. Why? In my book, because he was the first social media president. Trump, I, I, I backed him in and, and made a lot of money off him. And mm. I remember being in America speaking to fund managers um, at the start of his campaign, so <coughs> long before when he was still the joke. And I said, what's your play on this mm. if he gets up? And I said, he won't get up. I said, hang on a second. And my theory was Obama was the first social media. He was the first reality and reality had taken out from social media. And, uh, you know, even now, you have a look at it. Uh, I found out the other night, I, I switched on to watch the block and the two blokes were on who had come off Love Island, Love Island or something. <laughs> yeah. I, I was watching <laughs> some uh, some TV last night and uh, we flicked it, Carla and I flicked it on and, and I've never seen Love Island before and I looked at it and, <laughs> oh my goodness, that was a, there's something new for me. <laughs> you know? and, How long did you last? Well, I was off and she, I turned it off and she said, oh, hang on, we'll watch it. So I turn it back on again. <laughs> you get hooked, uh, don't you? Need to know who's well, pregnant with yeah, who. For, well, yeah, sort of. Um, <laughs> but, no, but for me it was interesting that there were people who were doing things that you would hide. Not yeah. that long ago. Yes. You would hide. Yeah. And now it's writ large. And not only that, you're a staffer. So what does that all mean? It means nothing. I mean, that's, it's, you know, was that different to uh, Marilyn Monroe ending up in the, uh, as a centrefold in, in Playboy magazine it, when it first started and all these things? No, things are, are roughly around the same way. People have ambitions. And uh, generally, they usually. But your DNA is to bring people through with you. Well, th that's what I like. I yeah. like mm. people to be successful and, and have fun. And uh, you know, I'd rather I'd rather be at a table with successful and fun friends, uh, and it's a large table than people that you just put your foot on. And and that'll be what you'll hear more and more about. And you've heard already about Bert Newton. Bert was a star, mm. but he was happy to help people up to the table, and uh, that's what you want to do. So if you want to be involved in my in my situation at Collingwood was because I wanted to have all these guys. For me, I've been lucky. All the steps of my career, someone's been good to me at some stage, gave me a shot, started me off at Channel, the Herald, and started me at Channel 10, 
gave me a go on the radio, whatever the case may be. Now, it's up to me then to, to mm. make things happen. And, uh, you know, one of the things I'm really proud of is I've never taken anyone's job. I've actually created the shows or come up with something mm -hmm. in conjunction with a lot of really talented people. As Ralph said, you know, we started the grill team. That was uh, Jane Kennedy and Trevor Marmite and myself at the same time that Trevor and I and Sam were starting the footy show. It was a big year that. We went number one radio, number one television in, in six months. Yep. And, uh, you know, that, but that brought a whole new level to me. As I said, I'd been a you know, re well-known footy reporter and I had my own segment on Channel 10 and I was on the radio and breakfast show with Richard Stubbs and things like that. But then suddenly... Boom, this took it to a whole new level. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And so over the journey, I've tried to give advice to players who are going from being one of 750 <laughs> players who are on an AFL list to being the one that people want to look at. Mm -hmm. And that was Swanee. And again, to his everlasting credit, he got it, he made it his own, he didn't listen to anybody else. He's the most authentic bloke I've seen come through football. Mm. And as a result of that, he'll probably be the, have the longevity. And speaking of longevity, I guess that's why – that's what I guess sets your part. You speak about that girl that, whose eyes lit up at the, you know, 15 minutes of fast fame by not necessarily – not necessarily not having any talent but not wanting to work hard. I guess longevity also comes when you help people up rather than stepping on their toes to get where you want to get to. You know, you kind of build your community and your network by helping others and bringing them into your circle and you get further for longer. It's a very good point you bring, Sam, and I again refer back because I'm reflecting on Bert Newton's life. And Bert started – have a think about this, right? Bert Newton was living in North Fitzroy, not one of his hipster headquarters. It was the biggest slum in Melbourne and one of the biggest slums in Australia. His father had died as, as a young boy and he got a little bit of encouragement from the Morris brothers who uh, said, oh, we like you writing some radio plays. He's 14. He then walks down into down to 3XY, gets a job. By 15, he's on air. He has his 21st birthday on television, which has just started. He was self-educated. He taught himself how to speak and enunciate in those days and all the rest of it. He dies at 84 years of age and he's as relevant on his deathbed as he was the first day at work. Why? Because he kept young by keeping himself relevant with people, mm. looking to see what they brought to the table. He didn't go to the table and say, well, I'm Bert Newton, have a look at me mm. and here's my life. He went there always because I, I was that person. He came to me and gave me great encouragement and would want to know things. He was always inquisitive. Mm. He wanted to know what was happening. 
So, you know, even like last night, I, I might have looked at uh, Love Island and go, okay, that's interesting and isn't it interesting that these are the type of people they're getting and, mm. and that type of So you, you don't want to become some old fuddy-duddy mm. who says back in the day, you want to keep rolling with it and the best way to do it is is to immerse yourself with people. I mean, I'm loving it now. I've got my boys are now the age that Swanee was when he was getting into trouble. You think that go on Love Island, Ed? <laughs> <laughs> is that something you push them down? They're going to have to go past the chairman of selectors on that one. No, I don't. I wouldn't get a vote on that. I think Carla would be. Uh, Can I just a tidy time out because yeah. it's got that point? The, 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 nothing's better than being a father. We're, we're all father and mother now, Sam. Um, the, the the trepidation of being a father when you first see your son in America having a beer with Swanee. So just talk us through that one because I saw that on Instagram. Well, I was there, so I wasn't. <laughs> really? Was that an yeah, 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 well, exactly. It was more Carla's response because she was more worried about what I was getting up to with Swanning rather than thinking that Joe might be the, the, the common sense amongst all of us. But again, see, that's the funny thing because, I mean, I was in, in every act of stupidity that was going on in the 80s and footy and, and 90s and stuff like that. You know, you were there at the nightclubs and, and uh, doing all, all that type of stuff and the radio and things. So you, you know the fun that can be had, but you also know where it can go too far and where people can get into trouble. And and that's always what we were trying to do is just, you know, and not not that I've ever, you know, not gotten too far out in the night and all that sort of stuff, but you you, you try to just pass it on. Um, but people have got to live their own life. But No, but I'll tell you, but, but to the answer on Joe being with yeah. Swanee, I, I stood back and you know what, for me it was as, as proud a moment <laughs> that you had two knuckleheads from Broadmeadows up at the top of EP and LP and uh, with the Hollywood sign and then my son, who wasn't even born when I became president of Collingwood, standing next to one of Collingwood's greatest and being accepted as a good young bloke and some sort of referred uh, 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 you know, uh, spotlight to me in the fact that Swanee would take the time to look after my son because he thought I wasn't such a bad bloke after all. So, you know, there was a lot of in that and, yeah, but we, we just loved it. You know, we got Ben Simmons was over standing around on the back yeah. and calling us. Give some advice, Ed. Well, he should have, yeah. No, but he, was, he was going all right in those days. He called yeah. us over and wanted to have a chat and, you know, and the next day he went and he gave an interview to Joe yeah. who was sent out as the, as the cub reporter. And he, you know, did did pretty well. He got jumped the fence and got the interviews, and <laughs> I was very proud of him. But uh, but to be honest, uh, if you're asking me what my initial yep. you know, response was to that was hilarity. Um, <laughs> you know, Joe dined out on the photo because all these mates got, oh, you're a Swanee, where are you? Oh, you're LA, and uh, he was just Swanee. He was looking after him and, and got the fun of it right away. That that's the thing that I love. Swanee knew what the gag was and played up to it beautifully and looked after. We had a fun night. So to, so to modernise it a bit because you've opened the door with a. 80s, 90s, noughties, teens, four decades of nightclubs for the, for, for the two of you. <laughs> Could I put a premise? I reckon the best behaved footballers have ever been is 2020. Yeah. And 22, 20 was probably the – because pre, pre-photo pre era and all the other things that, that – I mean, the spotlight's now unbelievable, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's but look, I think, Ralph, I don't say there's much different. I mean, you, yeah. I go back in time to hearing the stories with EJ Witten and – you know, and no, no, I'm saying they got away with that's more what I mean. previously. Oh, yeah. Look, yeah, but yeah, but it was a, probably a simpler time as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, so you know, their their big days were were, were pretty big, but you know, I, I think it, I don't think it changes that much. Right. And, and I think what has changed, and you know, Swanee knows this better than anyone, is is the the media attention, mm-hmm. and you know, yeah. lining people up, because there is now a there is an algorithm. And as much as journos hate it, clickbait is yes. what it is. Mm-hmm. And we're even seeing it now with News Limited are starting a, a long-form journalism called Code, which is sort of the antithesis of, 
of clickbait. Yep. So if you like, it's almost the uh, what um, uh, you know, uh, Netflix is to Love Island is what we're going to see in journalism. It'll swing back. It's gone over one side, and that's great for people who want to, you know, get on there and see what's going on and you know all that sort of stuff. Now people are coming back to a bit of quality and in-depth reporting and things like that because traditionally that's where sport is. So people love the, the great writers over the years of sport. You know, you know when you read Norman Mailer's book, The Fight, um, about Ali Foreman, you know that that is one of the great bits of journalism we ever read. And you know, talk about getting inside one of the great sports moments. So you know, you don't have to be um, you know have five degrees from Melbourne University to read it. You just read it, and it is just so. Do powerful. you regret not getting a journalism course, Ed? Because it probably held you back. <laughs> <laughs> I got a doctorate in the end, <laughs> but uh, but they're, they're the sorts of things. So 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 it's it's, it's all about timing, and you yeah. know, there's rhythms in life and and things, and you know, eventually people come back to, to quality. It's like anything. You, you know, it's great having a burger, but you you still want to go out to a good restaurant at times, and and vice versa. So. Yeah, it's it, it is a it's an interesting situation. I think you've got to be careful. I, I'm I hate it when they say this bloke's the best player of all time. Yeah, you know, and and I'm still getting to the age where I've seen a few of the people that people have now forgotten about who are even in black and white TV. You go, these guys were pretty hot. Now, uh, you know, was uh, you know how how do they stack up against Dane Swan? How does Dane Swan stack up against Dustin Martin? How will Dustin Martin stack up against Christian Petracca? They're in different times of their career. Mm. Dusty's got a few injuries now. Let's see if he comes back, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But these guys were superstars. You know, no one ever, when they talk about the greatest players, you never hear Bob Skilton anymore. Triple <laughs> Brown. You never hear Ian Stewart. Yeah. You never hear Daryl Bulldog. I mentioned Daryl Bulldog's name. People's eyes go, who? <laughs> Daryl Bulldog. You know, and and similarly, there were players like uh, Alan Lafontaine in the fifties, and and going back to you know people like the you know the Colliers at Collingwood in the in the twenties and thirties, and you can't put them into a bowl and say this is a team. So even those teams of the century, they're ridiculous. I reckon what they should do is they come, should come up with teams of the decade. And that, that makes sense for me in a 10-year period because that shows you've been great and you've been successful and you've, been, and you've got longevity. Yet probably the one that people push up always is John Coleman, who didn't have any of that because of the injuries he's had. But his brilliance was just so phenomenal. Interesting enough, John Coleman's, if he had a son, wouldn't qualify today for father-son. So that's, that's <laughs> how long he... He's only 98 games of footy, so it's amazing. And b- back to the scrutiny side of it, Swanee, mm. you, you're big rap for the mates who, who film film famous people? Yeah, no, nah, not really. You just think that's the lowest thing of all time? They're not there? mates. <laughs> it is. Uh, of course there's, like you said about just filming someone doing something they shouldn't, just because you, when you're going to try and sell it to media for a quick 10, 15 grand. And it's personal vandalism. Yeah, it's yeah. it's horrible. And yeah. we keep seeing it happen until mobile phones don't have cameras anymore, unfortunately. <laughs> the way the world is, it's going to keep happening and happening, so it's... Yeah, it's, I think it's as, as low as you can get like, to try and... And obviously if someone's doing the wrong thing, well, no, that's a moral dilemma for them, not yeah. for you or to put it on the... Yep. For the rest of the world. So to make a quick 10, 15 grand, and obviously then you can go How back... How much do they get? Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> I think you've got <laughs> enough, Ed. You don't need any more you've of me. You've got some um, your phone. <laughs> yeah. so, so your memory phone, Ed. Because yeah. I, I had a privilege inside to both, probably for 20 years, the best journos, maybe 25, was you and Hutchie. It was almost a line. And I have a theory, and it's only personal, but having seen it, is that part of what made you guys so great was the stories you didn't tell. You you had confidences from people throughout, and that then gave you real real currency. Wow. Are yeah. you, how are you seeing that difference now with with current? Well, journals? these days it's I mean they're on Twitter. I mean yeah. when I when I started, if you got a story wrong, 
you'd hide for a year. Yes. You know, now, like, oh, well, you know, they make it up, they don't <laughs> care. The next one, yeah. yeah no. It doesn't matter. It, yeah. And so it, that's the, that's the, the situation. Mm-hmm. However, your reputation stands up. Yeah. And, and I suppose in those days, you know, as I said, for the footy show, you know, Thursday 9.30, that was my deadline. Um, you know, on, when I was on Channel 10, 6 o'clock was my deadline every night. And and in the in the you know the radio the next morning, but these days they're tweeting all the time. Now mm. you can't be on all the time and getting it right. Yes. So to Swanee's point, you know anything they hear they go with, or they, and then you know some of the, you know joining the dots and the extrapolation of things it gets them into trouble. I always say to young journos, you're going to get in trouble for the comma, not for the sentence. Don't go too far. Sometimes the story is enough to say this has happened. Mm-hmm. Right? That's the story. You don't have to say this has happened, and as a result of that, this you know they all become they want to be you know fortune tellers. Mm-hmm. They'll think they're soothsayers. They're going to this will happen, and as a result of that, the coach will get sacked in June next year. Yeah. Mate, relax. There's the story. Would I, sorry, just buddy, do that. Would yeah. I be right in saying you and Hutchie wouldn't have given an opinion in the first ten years in your job? No, I, I, the first time I gave an opinion on the footy show, I was the president of Collingwood. Yeah. So yeah, my job was accuracy, break stories. Yeah. And I've said this, and Mark Robinson sort of. Uh, uh, took me up on it one time. I said, "Well, you find it." Yeah, that we didn't go to air with anything that was wrong. Yep. My, now, right at the time, changed things changed. No, but when I say that, you know, when I broke the story that Fitzroy were merging with North Melbourne, that was the story that was right. Didn't end up happening because things changed. We broke the story as we went. Yes. But that was the story as it stood that particular night. But we would never go. I remember when when uh, Harvey Silver came onto the set to tell me that Ted Whitner died. And I grabbed him and said, have we got this checked three times? I'm not going to wear mm. and saying Ted's dead, you know. And this was in an ad break. Yeah, we've got it, we've got it. The first, yeah, right, okay, bang. And then we did it. But, you know, they're, they're the things. That doesn't mean that I'm, you know, super journal. It was just that's the way you did it. And to your point earlier, sometimes it was better to hold stories because you'd get to mm. a better story mm. or a bigger story. And, but my philosophy was always look after the players because they were young guys. Um, you know, th- there's always going to be a story. Uh, and but the administrators who were running the show were, were open season. And I used to say to all the reporters, "Hey, listen, we're Collingwood. There's going to be three or four big stories a year. Always, someone will do something wrong. We'll lose three games in a row. We'll win ten in a row. We'll take mark of the year with the best team or the worst team. We're somewhere in the middle. There'll always be a story at Collingwood. Don't panic. And I think one of the issues for me was as a young president was trying to read the play and stop anything happening. And uh, and you can get too caught up, and then when it happens, it becomes too big an ordeal. By the end of it, like, oh, I've seen it all before. You know, I've seen it five times yeah. before, and you just adapt to it a little bit more. Now that you're uh, now that you're out of obviously, yeah. Collingwood thing. When the Collingwood story, see it like the Geordie story, or yeah. you know whatever. There's always like you said, there's always big Collingwood stories, good or bad. How do you are you <laughs> affected by them now? As much, obviously, you're not well, the phone rang. President. from everyone wanting an opinion. I go, not me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Mark Quarter's the president of Collingwood. Call him. Yeah. Um, you know, then they ring me, oh, would you do this, you know, because Collingwood uh, stood him down. I said, it's got nothing to do with me. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, Swanee, you know, I've, I'm deliberately pushing myself away. Um, even this year, I, I didn't sit down in my seat, so I you know, yeah. sat in the box just to, just to give people clear air. They don't need to have me hanging around. And uh, does it affect me? Yeah, because I know Geordie. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and anyone who's a Collingwood person forever will be one of my yeah. tribe. Um, but at the same time, you've got to pull, pull back. So, you know, I talk to the players, call me, the administrators call me still yeah. to talk about things. 
Um, I know, you know, the people all involved in, you know, wanting to get on the board, well, a lot of them, I must admit some of the people who are standing for election I've never heard of before, yeah. but uh, but that's it. Yeah, my time's come and gone and I've moved on to other things and it's important for me and for Carla for that matter, as she said, and you'll appreciate this, Sam, she, she said none of this was in the brochure when we got married. What was this calling <laughs> a president business? You know, <laughs> I thought I was marrying some bike on TV. What's going on? And, and memory, memory tells me the equation was golf plus racing equals Collingwood. Yeah, so that's it. Yeah, and everything <laughs> else. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know... You've, yeah, you've 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 got to step away. Yeah. You're either all in or all out. I think in those situations. Uh, will I look after and offer advice if it's if it's asked of me? Of course yeah. I will. Yeah. Um, Kevin Rose was fantastic like that when when I took over. He was on the board with him for a while, but was always sage advice. There's been good people over the journey mm. who I could turn to, who uh, could sometimes disagree and then come back and say, "Yeah, you got that right," or "Yeah, I told you that was uh, where it was heading." Yeah, you were right, and you know yeah. they just. Try and keep you going in the on the right spot. You're never right all the time. Yeah. So, now I love the club. I love the people. I love the supporters. I love the ideal. Maybe sometimes I wonder whether the ideal of what Collingwood was was in my head, yeah. was it was in anybody else's head. Uh, but then you go to the MCG and a hundred thousand start going Collingwood, and you go, yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's plenty here who who get it the same as me. I often say there's plenty of people who love Collingwood as much as I do, yeah. but there's no one who loves it more. Right. Yeah. <laughs> how have you adjusted your passion? I'm not going to insult you by saying no. you, it's 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 not it's lessened, but how have you adjusted your passion? If you sit next to me on the couch during COVID, yeah. you'll know it hasn't changed that much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when did you realise that, you know, you've done everything, you're so successful and then an umpire pays a decision and you actually... Yeah, lose you, your mind. Yeah, you, yeah. you go chop over. Yeah. When do you realise that that's just... Well, Dan Richardson, yeah. unfortunately for him, he's the first time I've ever had the umpire's <laughs> advisors uh, number in my phone <laughs> and, and given I wasn't president of Collingwood I didn't feel any uh, <laughs> issue in, in offering some advice uh, <laughs> what you can't you help it yeah but you know I suppose the other thing is I've got to be a bit careful now because I, I did have a seat of influence yeah and now it's changed now having said that I'm still doing footy classified and you know to do things and you know I'll, I'll hopefully go back to not being a journo I'm not wanting to break stories yeah. or chase people around but I can actually maybe add some conversation which is what I'd like to do now maybe some insiders con con uh, conversation but also a knowledge and maybe a bigger picture uh, footy I think sometimes just gets so caught up in the mm -hmm. weeds and particularly in Melbourne it's interesting the other states their reporters are cheerleaders which is yep. its own problems here Everything is a turmoil because it breaks. It's a story, yeah. you know. If there's a st and particularly at the bigger clubs, that because it sells. That's that's what it's all about, you know. If you you write a hard story in 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 West Australia against the West Coast Eagles, they they, they want to flog you, you know. Here, there's there even if it's a small story, they need to make it as big as possible, yeah. And you know we've seen that even with Geordie in the last couple of weeks, where people have been so quickly mm. to rush. Now time will tell. You know, it's, it's, it's only half time in the proceedings, so I'm not going to go one way or the other. But when people have asked me about it, I said, well, I'm, I'm very keen to hear the facts when they get Your to the court. Your two words are always wait and check. Wait and check and get it right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, some people have been, you know, promulgating their positions. There's a lot more activism journalism these days, yep. whereas which was the antithesis of what my journalism was, mm -hmm. which was facts, results, that's the story, get the story you know, or, or break the facts, not even the story. Story is probably the wrong description for it. Um, and now there's a lot of activism. You know, there's a lot of people who are doing stories or even something will happen and somehow it's manufactured into 
um, proving up a case for something that's got nothing to do mm. with it. Yep. You know, we're seeing that a lot more. And uh, so, you know, I, I, I read with interest, mm. throw it on the ground, stand <laughs> on it a few times and then <laughs> keep reading. But, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting time. Sam? Yes, uh, on that note, we might take a short break. So join us for part two with Eddie Maguire. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> 